this is a time for you to actually say, okay, what's not working yeah, and how can like I get change serious it? with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love this time uh, of the month, even though it can be difficult, this is a time for us to really allow for those darker feelings reflect. to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To reflect. Yeah. And come mm -hmm. up and say, okay, how can I, how can I actually continue to move forward in my life in the direction that I want? Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. Hello, and welcome back to the show. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Stephanie Estima about our superwoman power, our period, and what it says about our health. We also chat about the best way to work out around our cycle and so much more. Guys, I just love Dr. Stephanie. Her passion and mission is blending modern science with ancient wisdom to empower women's health and healing. She is the CEO of Hello Betty, creator of the Estima Diet, host of the Better podcast, and author of The Betty Body. I hope you enjoy our chat, and if you do, please let me know because I have so many more questions for her, and I'll have her back on the show for more geeky magic. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stephanie. I am really honored that you're here with me today. I know your schedule is super busy, so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we actually just met your amazing fiance, Giovanni introduced us and you were so sweet to offer me tips and advice right, right away about starting my own podcast. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm a really big believer of, you know, women supporting women, right? Like it's, I think once we are good in our own bodies, we heal our own issues. I think it's time that we start to reclaim the sisterhood. And I had women, when I first started my podcast, say, do this, don't do that. Do this, make sure you have this, make sure you have that. And I I've just been really waiting to pay it forward to another Aww. woman. So it's just an honor to, to share a couple of things that have worked for me. Thank you so much. I feel like we do need more of that in this world. So I really appreciate that. And you yourself have an incredible podcast called Better. I love it. It's seriously one of my favorite podcasts. So guys, if you haven't listened to it, go after this podcast, go over and listen to Dr. Stephanie uh, podcast Better. And she just launched her book. And I'm so excited about this. It's called The Betty Body. And I've been reading the PDF version that you sent me and it's amazing, like full of female wisdom, modern science, giving you like really the lowdown about hormones and menstrual cycle and sex drive and so much more. It's It's been awesome so far. So thank you for that. And I can't wait to get my hard copy. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to. I'm so glad that you're liking it. And that's everything that you just said was sort of the big goals that I had. You know, we when we look in the fitness space, we look in the nutrition uh, space, a lot of the discussion really does surround um, mediums and proxies that are very male focused. We don't really think about how these things nuance and how they change to a woman, whether she's in her reproductive years or in her menopausal years. And even, you know, you and I, you know, about the same age, you know, same body parts, you know, but we're also going to come to uh, fitness and nutrition differently given our, you know, our genes and our life experiences. So I think it was really important to and I hope that there'll be more uh, conversations and books like this where we say, hey, you know what? We're not actually little men. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're actually, you know, not just smaller archetypes of men with pesky hormones. We are distinct <laughs> and unique in our own right. And these are some of the ways that we can apply this in the, like we were saying, like nutrition, supplementation, exercise, stress reduction, et cetera. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've just loved it so far. I feel like it's a lot of like you touch on a lot of things that women are almost scared to ask, you know, mm-hmm. or, or they, they don't talk about it like sex drive and that sort of thing that they, you know, it's just sort of like pushed, pushed under. And that's one of the things I ask my clients actually, when they check in with me, it's like, how is your sex drive? Like, let's talk about this. And they're so thankful that I ask those questions because, you know, you, you don't want to bring it up. <laughs> a lot of women don't want right. to bring that up. So. Right. Right. And we've been taught, you know, we've really been taught to fear our fertility and we haven't really been taught how it actually works. So I spent, you know, years before I had my children thinking that if I just walked into a swimming pool, if I just waded into a swimming pool at the wrong time, I could get pregnant, you know, of course, of course, that's completely not true. That's what we're taught. Right. And we're taught. We, we, you know, and I used to think that my menstrual cycle was this like punishment that I had for, you know, the curse of being a woman. Um, until I really was able to uncover that it's actually our superpowers. It is actually our inborn, you know, the ever-changing hormonal milieu that we, that we go through every, about every 28 or 29 days is actually a superpower. And once you learn how to harness that, then you become this unstoppable goddess, um, which is what, uh, which is what we talk about in the book, like how to be a geeky goddess and how to unleash that. I love it. I love it. And I want, before we get into all of that, I want to like go back and and really like, how did you start with this? Like, when did you feel the need to take better care of yourself and start paying attention to your own hormones and menstrual cycle? Oh, good question. Uh, I would say very honestly that, um, you know, I'm a really quick study in some ways, <laughs> you know, like you, <laughs> you teach me about biology or, you know, mechanics or some mechanical pathway, like I'm all over that, like white on rice, but for, for <laughs> taking care of myself, you know, a little bit of a slower study. So I really did spend years um, at war with my body. I really wanted to Uh, I I wanted to ignore all the signs and symptoms that uh, my hormones were out of balance. I would silence my symptoms with medication. I would, you know, I used to, I sort of say this jokingly, but also kind of not that, you know, my, I used to look at my body as just this like vehicle, this taxi to bring my brain where I wanted to go. Like I did not want to sink into my body. I just wanted to be analytical and be in my head and run all the algorithms and problem solve and really sinking into my body was, was quite scary. So my, my story um, was a slow uncovering. Uh, it wasn't like instantly I woke up one day and was like, oh, you know what? I should pay attention to my hormones, you know, but what I, what I did, uh, there was a bit of an awakening that I had on a trip. I took a family trip to Italy with my children and my partner, Giovanni, uh, who, you know, and it had come after several very difficult years. So I had uh, my clinic uh, and I, mm-hmm. uh, my clinic had burned down, you know, the year before mm-hmm. uh, I had also gone through several years prior, like a very difficult divorce um, mm-hmm. with young children. So anybody that's ever had to deal with, I mean, I'm great friends with um, my ex now uh, and we are great co-parents for our children. But at the time, of course, it was really emotionally, it was very difficult. Draining. Both of us were in a lot of pain. Uh, it was, it was very difficult. So, um, so of course my menstrual cycle, even though I hadn't connected the two was a gong show during those years as well. Yeah, stress and plays a role in your menstrual cycle. Like 100%. <laughs> and we actually, I think as women don't really recognize that mm-hmm. we say, Oh, you know, like I'll take it on. I can, I'll say yes to everything. I'll say it's okay when it's really not. And then we wonder why we know our breasts are angry and they're tender, mm-hmm. or we wonder why our joints ache. Like they're an 80 year old, you know, around <laughs> the time of men, like that's what my back and my knees, you know, I could predict the weather. I was like, I know <laughs> when it's going to rain, you know, that's how bad, yeah. you know, my joints were very sensitive to changes in barometric pressure. So mm-hmm. went to Italy with the kids, uh, with Gio and really in a, you know, we went there for several weeks and during that time we, you know, I slept, I was in the sun, you know, I was tanning on the beach. We were going, you know, in the morning we'd go and walk to a little, you know, ca- place. I'd get my cappuccino and then we'd walk home and then we'd walk to dinner. We'd walk after dinner. So all these little, in, like all these little changes, mm-hmm. uh, even though they were subtle, um, I was doing this consistently for about three weeks. And then towards the end of um, that vacation, I got my period. Now, normally this would have been the thing that ruined the vacation. Like I would have been holed up in the hotel room <laughs> 
you know, the mask on, like no one talked to me, but it was rolled up in a ball. Exactly. Like rocking in the corner. Right. Um, But it it didn't happen. It actually felt really easy and it it sort of came in, you know, I I didn't have, I didn't bleed through like multiple pairs of pants like I had done in years prior and months prior. And it sort of did its thing and went and I was like, huh, well, that's a pretty amazing. Like, can, I know that everything's better in Italy. Like we all know, yeah. like everything's better there, <laughs> but can I, can, yeah, <laughs> but can here. my period, can I take some of these things? Mm-hmm. Can I dissect what were some of the things that I did differently on this vacation? And can I bring those things back home uh, to Toronto where, where I live? And you know, it's one thing to say everything's better in Italy, but it's also my body that did the stuff. Like my body did that heavy lifting. It wasn't Italy that helped me have, Mm -hmm. even though like best coffee in the world, you know, all that, all that good stuff. So that, that was really my story. And I came back to Toronto still in practice at the time. And I was like, okay, how can I replicate this? So low level activity through the day, we'll talk about meat, right? Non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, proper sleep, you know, examining my sleep cycles and really dialing in ideal bedtimes, how I can have my sleep hygiene and sleep environment optimal. Do I need to sleep longer than my partner? The short answer is yes, we do as women have longer sleep cycles. Oh, we're getting into that later because I loved your last post. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So all these, all these things. Um, And then I started playing around with my patients as well. So my female patients who at the time uh, when I, when I came back from that vacation, I was already running a nutrition program in-house. It was a ketogenic program. And we had already at that point noticed that there was a really stark difference in the results that our men were getting and our women. So men would say, wow, like this, this keto thing is awesome. You know, I lost like 20 pounds in a week. I feel great. You know, I can sleep well. I have all this energy. And women were like, well, (laughs) you know, I've lost like two pounds. I'm eating the same thing as my, you know, if it's a husband and wife couple, like eating the Mm -hmm. same thing as like my husband is, and it's still, I'm not having the same profound mm -hmm. effects that, that he is. So, and so I started again, like sort of piecing apart, like what are some of the real distinguishing things between a man and a woman? Of course, one of the more obvious ones is our menstrual cycle and started playing around with how we can do keto um, in accordance with uh, a woman's menstrual cycle if she's in her reproductive years or you know for my my more lived women you know women who are 50 and beyond mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. you know or whenever menopause uh, for them starts what are some of the nuances how do those things really change for her uh, as she goes through menopause and then beyond it what are some of the ways that we can keep her building lean muscle we can keep her uh, inflammation levels lower her insulin and sensitivity high, all of those, all those good things. Wow. Wow. And then did you find that, um, with women on the keto, like, did you have to change up, um, just the types of food she was eating compared to her husband or? Yeah. So when we, when we first started running the keto program, like guilty as charged, like I was totally running it. Like the guys were like, I was, it was totally bacon, butter, burgers and repeat. Like it was always (laughs) like, if it fits your macros, totally fine for you to eat a tub of sour cream, like not a Mm -hmm. problem. Mm So we would have a poor, you know, as you can probably imagine, you know, men were like, this is the best, you know, and women were like, well, I'm having a really hard time staying Mm -hmm. on this Mm long-term. Like bacon is like absolutely disgusting to me now. I can't have one more piece of cheese. I'm going to vomit. So um, one of the things we started playing around with was moving from this, you know, what's very commonly now called dirty keto, moving away from this dirty keto model Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. a much more plant-rich plant heavy, um, uh, protocol. So instead of just as long as it fits your macros, we really did make sure that when you were building out a plate, we, you know, if you're building out a meal, we would really teach you that the majority of your plate should be plants. It should be green leafy vegetables, all colors of the rainbow truly. But in particular, these green leafy vegetables that have some really Um, some compounds in them that help with liver detoxification, which is a big issue for a lot of women, particularly um, in perimenopause, right? We find that um, they tend to run a bit more estrogen dominant Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. they get like the PMS type of symptoms ahead of their period. So amping up liver detoxification through um, sulforaphanes, which is a compound in uh, that's found really readily in the brassica family. 
of vegetables, broccoli and cauliflower and you got it. Brussels sprouts, all mm-hmm. the things, mm-hmm. um, really cabbage. So all these things were really, um, became part of mainstay and it also helped with craving. So that was the other thing that we noticed with women was that they would reach that hunger point, you know, that craving point much quicker than our males, mm. like our guys did. And then about two or three weeks into doing keto, they would say, God, like, I don't care how much fat I have. I just want a muffin. I want a bagel. I want a pizza. They need the fiber. They need that. Like like, give me the carbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Give me something that's going to make like kind of, you know, scratch this itch. So the insoluble fiber, as you just correctly said, really helped with that. And then we also started implementing resistant starches. So Mm -hmm. resistant starches as their name kind of sounds like the listeners never heard of this. I know you, this is, you know, old hat for you, but uh, you know, resistant starches resist digestion. So they are not broken down in the same way that insoluble fiber is not broken down. Mm -hmm. And then they serve as a food source for the microbiome uh, in the large intestine. So why this is important is one of the reasons why those cravings become so pronounced after two or three weeks into doing keto is because your microbiome is starving. Like they they use some of these prebiotic food sources, uh, you know, green banana flour, green plantains, uh, raw potato starch, inulin, chicory root, you know, cold rice, cold potatoes. Yeah. All of these are really great food sources for the microbiome. So they will chow down on it. So they're happy and fed. So those cravings come down. Come down, yeah. And then we have, and then they will produce a short chain fatty acid called butyrate. So butyrate now is going to help with your sleep. This is one thing that women always complain about. Hard falling asleep, hard staying staying asleep. asleep. Mm -hmm. It helps with your digestion. So if you are someone who, especially in the second half of your cycle, if you tend to have indigestion, you know, distension, bloating, bloating. Mm-hmm. the the butyrate is going to help with repairing the epithelial lining in the gut um, so that, and this is commonly referred to as leaky gut. So if you're someone who has like kind of a leaky gut syndrome, it helps with the reparation of this, of this gut lining. So those were like kind of the two really big changes that I made. And then after that point, you know, the results were, we had, we had sort of sped up our female results. Like it was just like twin turbo, like men and women could stay on it long-term. And then sort of the second iteration of the diet was that for women specifically, I didn't want them to be in ketosis forever. Uh, So I wanted to like cycle them in and out. So taking them, you know, high pro like weeks where they were in keto and then weeks where we actually bumped up their protein and their carbohydrates Mm -hmm. to drive um, muscle protein synthesis and the, and the development of lean muscle mass as well. Wow. That's awesome. And like even, even myself around my menstrual cycle, I know that like carbs, like help me go to sleep. <laughs> like when, right? I, yeah, I, I, I did like the whole keto thing and I hated it around my menstrual. Like I couldn't sleep. I was hungry. Um, so yeah, those are, that, that's awesome. Tip. So you cycle, you cycle women then with, so the, yeah. the ratio is a lot different than their macro ratio would be different than, than a male. Yeah. So for, for a male, honestly, I mean, guys can stay and there's been a lot of literature and I talk about this in the Betty body, men Mm -hmm. who stay in keto for a long time, we see things like increased testosterone, which is really important Mm -hmm. for men because that's one of the big problems we see today is where we see this sort of estrogenization, like their T levels are lowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As they age. Exactly. Uh, We're seeing fertility, growth hormone, like sleep, mood enhancement. Like they see, we see all these great things with guys, but with women, the opposite it is actually true. When a woman is either calorically restricting too aggressively, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. she is, uh, she's not having the carbohydrates as you, um, as you said that you noticed around your own cycle, yeah. then we would note, then what we, what we see in the literature is things like, um, abnormal menstruation. So there could mm-hmm. be months where you don't ovulate. There can be months where you have very heavy bleeds. So we talk about this in the book, like what constitutes heavy bleeding? Like how long is it? How often are you changing, you know, your diva cup or your, mm-hmm. you know, your pad or what have you, how much clotting is there? What's the size of the clot? How long do you bleed? All of these different, uh, qualifiers. So for women, they would see these changes in their menstrual cycle. They would also see sleep disturbances. Their ovaries would shrink. I mean, well, I don't know about yeah, you, but yeah. I want my, I don't want my ovaries yeah. to shrink. Like, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with them. I don't, I don't want them any bigger or any small. They are just yeah. right. The way that I was, the no way shrinkage. that I, yeah, no shrinkage, please. No shrinkage. <laughs> 
Um, so we see this in the literature, the, these sexual dimorphisms, the difference between these men and women. Um, and I started seeing this almost instantly, um, when we started cycling women. So we sort of did a like therapeutic intervention, pure ketosis for like 28 days. I think that's a very feminine number, you know, it's yeah, about this, about the, yeah. you know, the moon cycle, cycle about the, yep about the cycle. So 28 days. And then we do on and off. So a week on where we would do, you know, a macronutrient um, composition of about 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% carbs. That's like a very traditional ketogenic split. Yep. And then we would actually the next week completely change it. So I'd pull down the fat. So I'd bring it from 70 back down to 40%. And then I drive up the protein. So we'd go from 20% protein, which is like moderate to low. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. then we we'd pump that up to 40%. And then the carbohydrates, we'd also bump up a little bit too. So they would go from 10% to 20%. Okay. And the reason why that's so important, um, and I think that this is, Something that I would love the ketogenic community to really embrace a little bit more is that insulin is not your enemy, right? Mm -hmm. So it does, it has, it is an anabolic hormone, as you very well know. Mm -hmm. It's involved in muscle mm -hmm. uh, protein mm -hmm. synthesis. For women, it helps convert T4 to T3. It it has all of these benefits. Yeah, um, we well, not it. just not just women. That does, you know, that's with everyone. But women mm -hmm. tend to have more thyroid issues um, than men do. So um, it has all these important roles, and I think when you can use it strategically to your advantage, um, you can really drive, like one of the things I think is most important for women is to be concerned around their bone density and their muscle mass, particularly mm -hmm. in perimenopause, because you are sort of in the last call it decade or so of your life where you have this higher estrogen environment. And once you move into a lower estrogen environment, like menopause, it's going to become harder for you. It's not, you can't, it's not that you can't do it, but it's harder yeah. for you to build muscle in menopause yeah. than it is when you have estrogen cycling the way that it does in your, in your menstrual years. So uh, very important as a focus for me to make sure that women are, are, are concerned around their bone density and their, and their muscles as they age. Okay. And, and you were mentioning menstrual cycle and you do, and you mentioned this in the book too, and you explain it as the, the lasso of truth. Um, yeah. like almost like your report card. Yeah. What, um, I know you mentioned some of it now, but what, what do women, what should they be looking out for, for like a normal cycle and what's a not so healthy, normal cycle? Sure. Yeah. This is a, this is a great question. So um, I will just comment that I, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. So that was like the title of Me the too. chapter. I was like <laughs> yeah. the lasso of truth. Like there had to be some like subtle Wonder Woman reference in my book somehow. Um, so first thing I'll, I'll say is when we're thinking about what a normal menstrual cycle is, mm -hmm. we want to differentiate that between common, right? So common and normal. And I talk about this in the book. It's one of my yeah, like, I love that. I'm a word nerd and this is a pet peeve of mine. It, and I think that society at large has generally um, normalized menstrual pain. We think that it's mm -hmm. sort of part and parcel of being a woman like, oh, you should be taking Anaprox. Oh, you should be taking Midal. Oh, you should be taking these medications. And of course the answer to that is no, it's not normal. It's common, right? Mm -hmm. But if we mm -hmm. think it's normal, then we're not going to seek out a solution to it because yeah. we think, well, yeah. every, like this is yeah. how it I is. I think everybody right? goes through it and that's just what you have to deal with. That's what you, exactly. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, contrast that with whether you, uh, you know, you recognize that this is a common phenomenon that you and others are likely going through it, but it's not normal. You are much more likely to say, okay, how can I get to the root cause of this? How can I actually look at some of these symptoms in their totality and look at what are some of the ways that I can begin to, to fix this? So I just wanted to start with that because I think it's an important uh, you know, philosophical premise to yeah. start from. It's like common yeah. and normal, not the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so normal menstrual cycle, and I talk about this in detail in the book, um, the a normal length of a, and when I say cycle, I don't mean just your period. I mean like the entire cycling through of all of yeah. your hormones. For most women, there's a range that we consider normal. So anywhere from 26 to about 32 days. Um, the mean is 29 and a half. So the average, most women are around 29 days. And of course, if you look at the moon, just coincidentally or not, yeah. um, it's about 29 days as well. Yeah. So yeah. I often like to say, you know, men are like the sun, women are like the moon. Like the we moon. are, <laughs> we are lunatics. We revere, <laughs> you know, we revere the moon, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So 26 to 32 days with a mean of about 29, uh, an average bleed week. So the week where you see blood, where there's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're shedding the endometrial lining anywhere from four to six days is usually the average for most women. Um, And then there, of course, there's going to be a wide, uh, there's going to be lots of permutations in terms of the color of your blood. You know, like we were saying before, how much clotting there is. So like a general rule of thumb is some clotting is okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. We just don't want it to be larger than a dime. So if you sort of think of the size of a dime, um, if you're looking in, you know, whether it's your, um, your diva cup, or if you're wearing, you know, pads or whatever, um, you want to be, if it's, if it's about the size of a quarter, uh, or if you're in Canada, like the size of like a loony or a toonie, that's too big. So we want it to be about the size of a dime no bigger than a size of a dime. Mm-hmm. And you also want to be thinking about how often you're changing your diva cup, how often you're changing your pads. So the, um, I think that the average, um, you know, for the entire bleed is somewhere between 70 and 80 milliliters in total. Okay. So if you have to change your pad, you know, every hour, and that was actually my case. Like I, when I would go into the clinic, when I was practicing, I would always bring two pairs of pants with me because guaranteed I would go through one. Like I was like like a long younger. Yeah. And if I, if I had like a new patient that took an hour and I wasn't able to get to the bathroom, like I knew for sure I was going to be, I was going to have a bleed through. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was crazy, but uh, you know, I, I always thought, well, that's just how my period is. That's normal Mm -hmm. for me. Right. When of course, Mm -hmm. you know, now I, now I know better. So we want to be thinking about how often you're changing uh, your pad, your, the color of your bleed should also change over the course of your period. So it should start typically a darker, more maroon-like color. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. as we move through the bleed week, we should start to see it change to more brown, brownie, like, you know, sort of like a red, and then it it moves to brown. And that's just... If it's brown, it just means that it's just oxidized blood. It doesn't mean yeah, that there's older anything blood. wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. older blood. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the first week. Those are some clues that you can, you know, uh, take in terms of like your hormonal report card, the lasso of truth. Yeah. Um, the second week. So once you've stopped your bleed, this is the week before you ovulate. So I know that a lot of attention gets put on your bleed week. She's like the popular girl at school. We all think yep. about our period, right? <laughs> yeah. But ovulation is actually the main reason why we have a cycle. This is the main event. It's not to have your period. Your main reason for your menstrual cycle, whether you want children or not, is to ovulate. ovulate. So the week before ovulation, we actually see a change in our hormonal composition. So we will see estrogen in your week one, which is relatively low. It will, it will really go up quite high in a very short period of time because estrogen, like we were saying, trophic anabolic hormone, it's what makes your cheeks and your skin and your lips plump. You know, it it makes you feel like gives you curves (laughs) and like fills out your breasts and hips and everything. Um, so that go that, so that's working to develop the follow which houses the egg. The other thing that we see in week two is a testosterone peak. So um, testosterone, even though I think women will sort of phenotypically ascribe testosterone to like men, like men have, and that's true. They have more testosterone than we do, Mm -hmm. but we also have testosterone. Um, It will also peak this week as well. So, you know, a really crude way to sort of evaluate whether or not your testosterone levels are on point is your increase in libido. Like you should Mm -hmm. feel sexy Mm -hmm. and flirty and that's second. Yeah. That's the best week. (laughs) That's the best week. Yeah. I know. I always, I always say to like, I I always know where I am because I feel like I'm chasing Giovanni around the dining table. I'm like, it's time, (laughs) you know? I know. Yeah. So we should see, you know, a general increase in your interest in sex. You may also find that if you are orgasming this week, that they are much more intense. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's sort of week two. And then we have the main event, like I said, ovulation. So the follicle releases the egg. And then we move into sort of the second half of the cycle, the luteal phase of our menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And here we have an entirely different sort of hormonal uh, goal and purpose. So now we're kind of waiting for a fertilized egg, right? So now we will see progesterone make her debut. So Mm -hmm. this is the hormone of the main hormone of the second half of your cycle. And she does a couple of things. And if you are a, a woman who has PMS, just See if you can hear yourself here. So she has a potent, she stimulates your appetite. So this is 
Hello cravings. Uh, she slows down your bowel movements. So hello, feeling bloated. Um, she yeah. also helps with your sleep. So she's, she will, um, stimulate neurotransmitters in the brain, uh, GABA specifically to help like kind of feel chill, um, which is great. But for women who are, if they have a tendency to be more inflamed, this air, this time of her cycle, the second half is where we might see, you know, more, uh, insulin dysregulation, more glucose mm -hmm. metabolism irregularities. Uh, the sleep, um, usually is, even though it has a great stimulation on your brain in terms of these inhibitory neurotransmitters, a lot of women will also say, I'm not sleeping as well. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm mm -hmm. waking up more or mm -hmm. the quality of my sleep is not I great. find that right. Like a few days before my period. And then I know my period is going right. to, um, right, right, right. So. So we have that. And then, um, so that's sort of week two and three together. And actually what you just said is really interesting. So a couple of days before you get your period, progesterone drops. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's no fertilized egg here. We got like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going on vacation. So progesterone drops, estrogen drops. And that is usually the time where we see some of those sleep disturbances because now we are withdrawing. Our brain is having sort of a mm. withdrawal from the progesterone. And this is the time of month where most women will say, okay, everything is wrong. Like job is wrong. Yeah. Boyfriend's wrong. Yeah. I can't choose the right nail polish <laughs> color. Nudie. Yeah. Everything is terrible. Everything is. And, and so what I like to actually you feel overwhelmed, you feel, you feel yes, I love that. Yeah. You feel overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of women will be like, Oh, it's like my stupid period that's coming or whatever. But I actually like to think of this, this is a negativity bias. So this is where we are actually looking at all the things in our life that are not working for us. So it could be a career, it could be your job. It could be a toxic coworker, a toxic boss, whatever, or just the career is like sucking your soul dry. Yeah. You know, your yeah. partner, you may be, you know, more irritable with some of his or her, um, you know, tendencies, mm -hmm. uh, and you may be annoyed with yourself in whatever way, but this is, this is a time for you to actually say, okay, what's not working yeah, and how can like I get change serious it? with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I love this time uh, of the month, even though it can be difficult, this is a time for us to really allow for those darker feelings to, mm -hmm. yeah, to reflect. Yeah. And come mm -hmm. up and say, okay, how can I, how can I actually continue to move forward in my life in the direction that I want? Maybe it's changing, asking for a raise or changing a job. Maybe it's, you know, dealing with a family member or a partner where there's some disordered, uh, you know, relations there, yeah. or maybe it's that you do you know, you, you feel like you want to be lifting more weights or you want to be more active or you want, you have a goal of salsa dancing and you're not following through on it, you know, whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. And then you make the decision to say, okay, like, this is how I want to change. This is what I want to do. Wow. Wow. That's, that's a really good way to look at it. I think, I think a lot of people, you know, like myself included, you know, you get to that, you, you know, your period's coming and you're like, okay, I'm going to feel better in a few days and you'll like slough it off. But that's a really good way to look at it. Like, let, let's reflect and let's make these important decisions now. Yeah. That's, um, what, what would you say, uh, a shorter cycle is like 22 days, 23 days. Like what would be happening with like a, somebody that's getting their period so frequently like that? Uh, there's a lot of reasons why that might happen. Uh, it could be chemically induced. So um, sometimes when someone has had radiation therapy or they've had chemotherapy, they can go into either early um, mm -hmm. menopause or they can see a drastic shortening of their cycle. Uh, if you are someone who is in later stage perimenopause, you may actually start to see your, initially you may st start to see your cycle get shorter and shorter. Um, and then as you sort of move through menopause, then we see an elongation, right? So we start, we start to lose a day, a two, you know, or two or three mm -hmm. or four. And then as we sort of move into menopause, we start skipping months, you know, and then, you know, I've had clients, um, and women tell me, you know, I, I haven't had, I didn't have my period for six weeks. And then I bled for three weeks, you know, so it can be, it's wow. sort of this weird, you know, kind like of transitional. Yeah. In between time. So uh, why someone might have a shorter cycle, um, particularly in those earlier stages of menopause is going to be, uh, usually due to a drop in progesterone. So we were talking about, you know, progesterone is like the main hormone in the luteal phase of our cycle. But after about age 35, we start to see a gradual, it's slow, mm -hmm. but a gradual decline in progesterone. So if you are noticing things like spotting for days before your actual period starts, um, this is 
is this is also a sign of um, you know of, of perimenopause and that your your progesterone levels are naturally declining. Okay, good to know. And and when you, um, I know that you mentioned this too in in your book. I haven't actually got to this part, but I've actually listened to a few podcasts, and uh, you you said um, we should really be paying attention to how we work out around our cycle. Yeah. What, how would you set that up in terms of, um, you know, weight training? Like, would you weight train throughout your cycle? Do you sort of calm down before? How do, how do you plan that out? Well, I love weight training. So you and I share, uh, like weight training, I think it's the best, right? (laughs) So every woman should be weight training, but how we weight train, I think fluctuates through the month. And I also think that cardiovascular, our cardio workouts uh, also should fluctuate through the month based on the change in terms of our hormones. So we've been talking about like what a normal menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. is. So when we now overlay a filter of weight training, you know, when a woman first, like in that bleed week, you know, a lot of women first day or two, depending on how much sort of stress has been in their life, they're kind of a little lethargic, maybe a little achy, a little crampy. So, you know, light on the weights, you can even go for, you know, act like you can have active rest days where you're going for walks or you're doing, um, you know, light, low level activity. But then as you sort of get into, you know, the rhythm of things, you can start lifting weights. Like, you know, it, I love uh, in my bleed week to lift sort of a moderate rep range. So I love anywhere between eight and 12, you know, reps um, of a moderate weight. So sort of what that weight might be is going to, you know, differ from woman to woman, yeah, yeah. but the last three reps should be hard. Like they should be like, okay, I need to do, I need to really pay attention to my form yep. uh, for these last three reps. So what that's going to be is, is very different for everyone, but a moderate amount of weight. In your second week, we talked about testosterone peaking. You're chasing mm-hmm. your husband around mm-hmm. the kitchen. Um, you know, <laughs> this is a great time. It's the best week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a great time for heavy, heavy lifting. So a couple of things happen here. One, under the influence of that high estrogen, we see our tendons stiffen. So this is a mm. great, so when we think about a stiff, we don't want the tendon too stiff, but a stiffer tendon, you're going to be able to lift a heavier weight because now the, um, the force that you can impart from the muscle pulling on the tendon, which is pulling on the bone in order to move, yep. uh, you're going to be able to do a much heavier weight. So, um, five to eight reps is sort of the rep range that I, um, that I recommend in this, um, in this time, because you have that testosterone peaking and you want it, you want to profit from that. You want to be able to profit from your ability to create new muscle. Um, so as you might imagine, you know, five reps, you know, in order to be tired, you know, by just doing five reps, eight reps, like it needs to be like heavy, 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 heavy weight. weight increase the weight. Yeah. I promise you don't bulk up. I still hear that, which is so yeah. aggravating. I know. I, I, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> you, will not, you will not, I mean, you must hear it even more yeah. than I, um, but you don't turn into She-Hulk even like, and I, I competed in figure and I'll tell you, I wanted to bulk. Like yeah. I, it's I, hard. it's hard. Like, it's years, so hard. years. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you know, I competed naturally. There was no exogenous, like I wasn't mm-hmm. taking anything. Um, and I had like the nine plates on the leg press. Like I was like, give me the boot, like, give me the quad, like, oh my quad, yeah, like I'm yeah. all in. <laughs> Quadzilla. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be Quadzilla yeah. and you know, it's so hard. It's so it's hard. Super hard. Yeah. So heavy weights week two, week three, I do like to, as you know, a woman tends to be a little bit more inflamed. I do like to return back to that moderate rep range. So eight to 12, Um, and then the week of her, like the week before her bleed week. So week four, Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a little flexibility here. So typically I like to lower the weight and then increase the reps. So I like 15 to 20, if you, she's going to be lifting weights, like 15 to 20 reps of uh, whatever weight she can do at that, uh, at that rep range, or she can take some recovery. She can take some active rest days before her period. This is before she bleeds and correct. You're probably feeling a little bit more tired than usual anyways, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that there is, um, one of the things I don't think we focus on enough as clinicians, as practitioners, as health coaches is this idea of recovery, right? Mm -hmm. All of your gains, you know, you want to, you want to think about muscle growth. All of them happen when you're not in the gym. It happens when you're resting and recovering and sleeping. It's not like in the gym, you break down the muscle, but you have to repair that those micro tears. You need time to repair. Yeah. Yes. I often with, with majority of, of my clients that come over, 
I I'm like peeling away their workouts, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's four days of training and, 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 you know, active rest days and, and, you know, they're just floored because they're like, I thought more was better. And it's like, no, you, you, your body actually changes when you're resting. Right. A hundred percent. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's super important, but I wanted to really talk about, um, your last Instagram post. Yes. I loved it. I loved <laughs> it so much. I want to talk about your like evening routine too, like the sleep sure. and sex. But before that, I love how you say that like morning routines are sexist. And because I mean, in the morning, I literally will look over at like maybe five in the morning and my husband's already gone. He's already out mm-hmm. of bed. And I come downstairs at like seven, seven's my time. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, what did you do? And he's like, I got all this work done and you really got to do this too. And I'm like, no, like I just stopped breastfeeding now. Mm-hmm. I need to sleep longer. And I just, Absolutely. I just loved your post because I feel like there's so much pressure, especially with women in business in the online space and they hire business coaches and the business coaches are telling them you got to wake up at five. And I'm like, I, I could never do it. I had two younger kids and I felt sort of like a failure. So can we can we get into this? <laughs> yes. So my overarching advice is break up with the 5 a.m. club. <laughs> you know, I like, love it. Break <laughs> up you. and do not have any regret because, you know, and I, in the post I was, you know, in, and I talk about this in the book too. Like I sort of open up the, you know, the chapter on morning routines, talking about this idea that morning routines are sexist. And, you know, when we think about, as you said, who teaches about like business coaches tend to be guys, you know, mm-hmm. in the, you know, health influencer, whatever, um, they tend to say, Hey, you know, you should wake up at, you know, some ungodly hour, four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, you should have this beautiful tea ceremony with this like special tea <laughs> that we've flown in from wherever. And you'd have that for about an hour and then you should read and you and should journal read, and you should journal <laughs> and you should ideate and you should do all these things for an hour. And then you should get to your workout, which again should be about an hour. Um, and you know, it, there's, you know, varying recommendations. Some people will say, well, you should do each for 30 minutes and each piece for, you know, whatever. But for a woman, (laughs) this, and I'll I'll just actually, even before I even say um, why I think they're sexist, I spent years as a chiropractor looking at some of my mentors who I still like love. I have very close relationships Mm -hmm. um, with them to this day, but I would look at them and I would say, how in God's name, are you seeing, you know, like they would see like 2000, 3000 patients in a week. And what I soon, what I noticed with all of these really successful, um, clinicians, these, these private practices was that they, I, I sort of called them like secretly like these Cairo wives. So they would have these women that would be the office manager at the front. And then they would also take care of everything at the home. So they would run the kid's schedule and run the, like drive them to soccer and do all these things. So I was running a clinician. I was like, well, where's my Cairo wife? Yeah. Like I, I need that, you know? And it's like, but I don't have that. I'm yeah. the Cairo wife too. Yeah, you're, you're, you're both. <laughs> I'm both right. I'm the front facing, like the clinician, the, you know, the person who's doing the diagnosis and writing the programs. And I'm also at home, the primary caregiver for my yeah. children. So I, that was my first observation around sort of the differences in terms of the capacity, because women are, are, we are the primary caregivers of our children, mm-hmm. any which way you slice mm-hmm. it across the world, this tends to be uh, a constant. So I think when you are listening to men say, wake up and do your tea ceremony and read and journal and then work out, like if they have a family, I guarantee you that it is their wife that is tending to those yeah. children in the morning. Yeah. And as you know, being a mom, kids wake up early as much yeah. as we want them to sleep in. They're up at four or five. So when my children were young, it was my kids crawling into my bed at some time. And that was my morning routine. So there was no, you know, special writing and time and meditation. It was like, I'm waking up when my kids came and wake me up because I was tired. And I'm trying to get as much sleep as I can (laughs) before my kids wake me up. Exactly. Exactly. And my husband is the same as yours. He loves to wake up at five. And by the time I actually come down at seven or seven 30 as well. (laughs) And he's saying, Hey, you know what? I like sent out 40 emails and I did this and I did that. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But that's also not me. Like I just, that's not, I, I actually showed Vince your um, your Instagram. My post, yeah. like, okay. I'm not going to bug you anymore. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Stephanie said so. Okay. <laughs> but I, I love this idea of allowing uh, as women to uh, just allow ourselves to be a little easier on ourselves because mm-hmm. we're told all these things from men and who, who don't have malicious intent. Like they're not no. trying to, they don't know. 
they, they, but they don't know what it's like yeah. to be a woman. Right. Yeah. So they, they think, well, everybody should do this. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody should wake up at five because, and there are, there are going to be some women who are listening to this that say, listen, that's the only time I have to work out. Like if I don't yeah. wake up at five, it doesn't happen. And if you can do that, all the, like, I'm not saying that what you're doing is wrong, right. Yeah. All the more yeah. power to you, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. women tend to have longer sleep cycles than men, meaning you know, if you think about an average, like eight hour, we sort of say like seven to nine hours is the average, uh, you know, healthy, ideal sleep. I would actually argue that that's eight to nine hours. Um, seven is a little on the light side, but women on average have anywhere between 15 to 45 minutes longer. Uh, we require 15 to 45 minutes longer sleep than Mm. our guys do. And then you layer on top of that pregnancy. So physical stress, chemical stress, emotional stress, labor, physical stress, chemical, stress, yeah. emotional stress, breastfeeding and, and sleepless nights, physical stress, emotional stress, yeah. you know, all of these, all of these things in aggregate, we need more sleep to heal. Mm-hmm. So I would just love for us to, as a collective, like the sisters that are, you know, all the sisters that are listening to be like, ah, oh, it's okay yeah. for me to want to sleep. It doesn't make me a lazy sloth. It doesn't make me unproductive or unworthy. It's just what my biology requires. Oh, I love that. I love that because it's like, like I, like you were saying, yeah, I've had a couple of business coaches and I'm like, I was telling Vince uh, like a few years ago, I think we need to re like, I think we, I need to rewrite this book for moms. Like you, yeah. can, you just yeah. physically can't, you know, get, do all this stuff in the morning and, and then have all the extra pressures of the kids and, and your job during the day. So that's, um, I loved how you touched on that. Let's talk about your book. <laughs> Like, I mean, we talked about your book the whole time pretty (laughs) much, but what would you say would be the number one takeaway from, from your book? And I know there's so much information. I know it's going to be such a good question. Oh my gosh. Let me think. How can I, I want to answer this really well. So I think if there's one takeaway overarching, you know, 30,000 foot view, it's, it's what we were just saying. Like women should not be blaming ourselves when, you know, we're asked to do five hours of cardio a day and eat 400 calories. And we're like, Hey, I can't lose weight. And, you know, I guess I failed on this diet. You know, I guess this, you know, I, I really want us to begin to look inwards for our Mm -hmm. own, um, measures of worthiness and to stop looking for external validation. That's something, you know, if you're a type A person, as I am still a recovering type A personality, we have to-do lists that are from there here to tomorrow. And we have a lot of pleasure, right? Like, oh my gosh, I did it. Now I'm worthy. And I'm going to do something else. And I'm even more worthy now. And we, we, we associate our worth with our productivity, right? It's hard for us to slow down. It's hard for us not to do, to be doing something because we feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't do that, like I'm lazy and I'm not productive and I'm not, you know, but what I would really love for the women who pick up this book is to start to look internal for those signs of worthiness so that we are not looking at a to-do list or some, you know, patriarchal construct of what, you know, productivity means. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as we were saying, rest is the most productive thing you can do. The most productive, like with your, you know, like a queen in a big towel robe, feet up on the coffee table, and then just doing nothing like, and resting. Um, so that's, that's sort of the big, my big wish, um, is that Mm -hmm. through explaining a lot of the science, explaining some of this, you know, female wisdom, which I think has really been lost in our modern world, that these women who read it, my Bettys, as I call them, um, my Bettys (laughs) are going to say, okay, like, I'm actually good enough the way I am. And I have some, I have the science and the tools and the protocols now from this book to, to continue working towards my goal, but on my clock, on on my clock, not on some, like, I don't want to lose weight in like five weeks. And if I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm a failure. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're going to do it on your time. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about that a lot with my girls. Um, I share transformation stories um, and social proof. And a lot of people ask the timeline and it's my company policy not to talk about timelines because Good. everybody has their own journey. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. if it takes you two years, you know, to, you know, get to the body you want or, 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 or what have you. But I mean, everybody needs to, I feel like a lot of women, they're in a rush, right? They want to, especially type A personalities, instant gratification. They want to, they want to get it done. They want to get it done fast. Um, But I love how you just said to give yourself more grace and time. I feel like all of us women need that more. (laughs) 
especially today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I sort of jokingly say this. I, I think I talked about this in the book. I've written about it on social. It's like, your body's not Amazon prime, you know, yeah. showing up tomorrow <laughs> by nine. You gotta, you gotta give yourself I love like, that. like it's two years, like two years is a really reasonable timeline. Yeah. That's a really yeah. reasonable, like the two years are going to pass anyway. So mm-hmm. you might as well invest and not worry Absolutely. about the, like divorce yourself from the outcome, just fall in love with the process. You know, mm-hmm. that's really, that's really a really important construct. The journey is the reward. Yeah. Now what's, I'm going to wrap this up. What does the word strong mean to you? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> so being as, seeing as I'm on the strong podcast, I would say that strong is, um, it reminds me of, there's an old Chinese proverb that I'm totally going to butcher, but it's something like the strength of the branches that can wait, like that can move in the wind are much stronger than the ones that snap. So Mm. I think that strength is the ability to be flexible and whether that's flexible in your body, but also flexible in your thinking. I think that that is what makes a strong, a strong woman or a strong, a strong human. I love that. I love that. So Dr. Stefan, can you share with us where we can find you, where they can purchase the, the Betty Body book? Yeah. So you can find me on social. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Uh, so Dr. Stephanie Estima is my handle. Um, you can buy the Betty Body book anywhere and on any online retailer. So Barnes and Noble and Amazon and any anywhere that you might buy uh, an online book. And what I'll also offer is once you do buy the book, I would love for you to actually head over to a website we created just for the book. It's called the bettybodybook.com. And there you'll actually find programming that I've created to be an accompaniment to the book. So all the nutrition, like all the keto done for you, the keto cycling mm-hmm. done for you, the resistance training, beginner, intermediate, advanced is all there. Rehabilitation for your back uh, is all there as well because, and the the exercise stuff is really designed for home use. You know, a lot of gyms are still closed and yep. I really wanted to give people tools like actionable, like here's the how-to, here's the exact step-by-step how-to, and then they can sort of take what they need, you know, leave what they don't. But we've given them sort of all the big constructs from the book and we've created programming around it. Amazing. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. I can't wait to dig into the hard copy. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate all your geeky magic. I'm going to continue (laughs) tuning into to better your podcast, but I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. So thank you so much, Dr. Stephanie. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing, post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our strong fitness magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my strong girl three discount code to save guys. I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld pay, take care and stay strong.